So we're in a series called Summer Hacks, uh, not to be funny, uh, but to really try to understand what are some things we can do to skip the detours, the distractions, the, the we, we don't get skipped the difficulties of life, but we can skip some of the destructions we create in our own lives. And I told you guys, we'd, we'd have some fun with this since it is summer. So I have a couple of summer hacks for you again today, uh, one involving a pool noodle and so uh, the other involving a bottle of water. So just bear with me while we get into this. Uh, first, have you ever hung up a pair of pants or trousers or something, you know, you, you get the iron on it, you get all the wrinkles out. I know. <laughs> Only men say stuff like that. Right? Or, or maybe, I know this is going to apply to you fellas. You got a tablecloth and you're having a big party and you work to get all of the wrinkles out. And if you've ever ironed a like 60 by 60 tablecloth to get all the wrinkles out, you know this takes like 18 hours, right? And so you steam this thing, you, whatever, and, and, but you've got to hang it somewhere. You, you fold it, right? You put it... Now, you tell me, what happens to your best set of slacks right over this... this right? I get my best set of slacks out. I've already ironed them. I put them on. And I've got this whole set of wrinkles right here. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Now watch this. Pool noodle. You just cut a little slit in that pool noodle. Right? I mean, everybody should have pool noodles. Right? Right? Now you put your, you put your pants right over that. Right? And you're not going to have that crease that happens. Like, I'm telling you, you guys should... This hey, is... It's also a pain. Yes. Yes. Except for that slit part, that, that, that might get in the way. But, uh, so, so I told you I had two summer hacks for you this morning. Uh, the others, this is more for all of my, like, uh, I don't know, teenage friends. Um, this, the hack is this. And actually, teenagers don't really drink water. Uh, they drink uh, energy drinks, right? Monster, that kind of thing. But... But here's the summer hack in smart water specifically. This is smart water. Uh, the summer hack is in knowing that smart water doesn't make you smart. <laughs> I've tried. You guys mind if I have a seat? I don't think you will. Uh, I'm going to have a seat to teach today. But if you have your Bibles, you might open them with me uh, to a few places. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 I'm going to be in just a moment. I'm going to read a verse uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. And then James chapter 3 is sort of the foundation of this series as we talk about wisdom and how God brings wisdom to our lives. And then we'll be all over the book of Proverbs as well. Um, so Matthew 5, James 3, and the book of Proverbs. And if that's not enough for you, I promise you I can, I can come up with something else if you would like. Um, so, so... The question I think I want to begin with today is, is this. Have you ever read a verse in your Bible and you sort of thought to yourself, well, what does that really mean? What, what is that really saying? What is it that Jesus is getting at in that verse? Now, the really cool thing is that we have the rest of the Bible to help us understand what any given verse of the Bible 
really means. And as we study it, you know, I often talk about you've got to pay attention to what's right around a verse. You've got to look at its context. You've got to understand what's going on in that specific situation. But we also have the rest of the pages of Scripture. And sometimes what I like to do is show you how the rest of Scripture explains a verse of the Bible. So let me read one and then show you what I mean. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's, it's one of his most famous sermons. You've probably heard of that before. He began with something we call the Beatitudes, right? The blessings. Blessed are, you know, blessed are, blessed are. So Jesus says, blessed are blessed, 5.3 of Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, what is he getting at? I would ask you to think deeply as we work our way through this today about who really is poor in spirit. Who chose to be poor in spirit when he didn't have to be? In his teaching, because there's nothing in me after reading through the pages of Scripture or singing holy, holy, holy along with those angels in heaven and we read in the book of Revelation. There's nothing in me that would describe Jesus as poor. But in His teaching, in His manner, in His approach to people, in laying down his life, who was poor in spirit? Again, I told you we were in this series called Summer Hacks. It's really drawing on the book of James chapter 3, where James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. He tells us right there that wisdom brings to our lives, if we're really going to live out God's way of wisdom, wisdom brings humility to us. But if you harbor bitter envy, and if you harbor selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it, which would be the... the <laughs> it would be the prideful thing to do, wouldn't it? To boast about it. Do not boast about it, do not deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving and considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, Impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace 
reap a harvest of righteousness. This series is really a, a study of all the virtues of wisdom that are outlined for us there. But there's an enemy who stands in opposition to me being a wiser person. And there's an enemy who stands in opposition to you becoming a wiser person. And it's an enemy who is in me. Quite honestly, the enemy is me. It's my pride. It's, it's my arrogance. It's, it's my defensiveness. And if you're taking notes with me today, I think this is your first blank to fill in. The greatest enemy to a wiser me is my pride. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And think about all the things that pride does to our lives. Pride makes us self-centered, self-sinking. Pride is destructive. We'll see that as we study Proverbs today. Pride is harmful. It's controlling. It's manipulative. It's pride that obsesses with me. Right? On one hand, pride, this is how we classically think of it, makes me very puffed up. Right? Very, very sort of looked down on others. On the other hand, pride always obsesses with me. I mean, sometimes pride looks like being down on myself and constantly beating myself up. But notice in that insecurity, because pride and insecurity are really two sides of the same coin, in that insecurity of constantly making comparison to others and constantly beating myself up, at the core of that is an obsession with myself. It's pride that desires to be the center of attention. It, it's pride that, according to Proverbs, makes me act like a fool. It's pride that causes me to reject God or to say that there is no God or, or, or if we're straight about how our world really approaches it, to say there's no room for God because, because we have a whole lot of other gods. Or, or to be even more straight, there's no room for God because we want to be our own gods. It's pride that tells me I'm always right and I can never admit I'm wrong. It's pride that hardens my heart. It's pride that feeds constant conflict. It's pride that focuses on airing my own opinion but not listening to what others who are wise, what they have to say. It's pride that makes me want to control others. It's Pride that believes that, that when I'm angry, that my anger is always justified, that I have the right to not only be angry, but stay angry. It's pride that makes me want to play God in other people's lives, because you know I know better, don't you? It's pride that demands to be served, that refuses to serve. The great medieval writer Dante wrote Dante's Inferno, among many other things. And it was his picturesque description of, of 
hell if you if you remember that from like way back in your high school or, or college days because I'm certain none of you have picked Dante's Inferno off the shelf recently and given it a read unless you're a literature professor but here's how Dante pictured those with pride in Inferno he pictured them as men and women who carried huge stones on their backs that bent them over because they were so heavy and they faced the ground like this and they were that way for eternity. He pictured that with them that way because they spent their lives on this side looking down on others and for eternity they would never be able to look up again. And why does God talk so much about pride? And what is it that pride leads to? And, and why, is, why is pride such a good description of the core of our human problem? Well, look at with me various Proverbs, if you will. Proverbs chapter 8. I think I have these for you in your notes. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride, says the Lord. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Why is it, that's strong, strong language, to say the Lord hates something. Why would the Bible say that God hates pride? I would note for you, by the way, it didn't say he hated proud people. That's what we do. Now notice, we notice it when it's on other people, particularly in our sort of polarized way of thinking in this world, all the tribalism that we give into. My side's not prideful, but the other side's sure prideful, and we hate those who we believe are full of pride. This doesn't say that God hates the proud it says he hates pride itself. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Why is pride something that God hates? Listen to these words and think about what pride really brings to our lives. And by the way, this will seem in contrast to, to what you seem to see in the world around you. The Bible has a, a, a word that, that comes into play here, I think, really matters. The, the, the word is glory. And the Bible will tell us that only God really has glory and deserves glory. But man is always trying to chase his own glory. And tell me you don't see that. I mean, whether it's you know the, the pages of magazines or, 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 or sort of the, the craziness that is Hollywood, or go to the inner core of any large city and, and watch people 
who are dressed up with things to do, places to see, people to use. And I watch the glory hounding that happens all across America. We're all chasing some kind of fame, some kind of riches, some kind of something, something that somebody else has. It seems to me that what we want, we never really achieve. And I, I say that because the people who have the most of it, the rich and famous, if you will, turns out their lives end up just as empty as all of ours do when we chase the same thing. If, if, if the glory they achieve was really solid and worth it, you wouldn't see their lives fall apart in front of you. But it, it happens on your Insta feed. It happens in, in the news. It happens on, I don't know, do they have TV shows anymore that, that sort of like, you know, da -na 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 -na. I don't know, what was that, Entertainment Tonight? Or I don't say. You know, it's, there used to be that you'd turn on the daily sense of here's where this famous person is today and this is what's going on in their life and there was always somebody falling apart. Meanwhile, here's where the Kardashians are. Like, who cares? Now, lest you think it's the rich and famous that struggle with this empty pride issue, think about how often we're chasing the exact same thing, thinking it will fill us. When in reality, it only empties us. Again, why is pride something God hates? Proverbs 11.2 When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 13.10 Where there is strife, that's, that's conflict, tension. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 15.25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Certainly, you see that play out. Like God has described it this way forever. And you don't have to look to the pages of Hollywood to see that play out. Because the Bible is filled with the same story. When David was humble, Goliath went down. When David was prideful on the roof of his palace, looking over at Bathsheba, David went down. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 21.4, haughty eyes, a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. 
Proverbs 21, 24, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name. This person behaves with insolent fury. Here's the thing. In fact, it's the one thing I want to convince you of today. Pride opens the door for everything wrong in my life. Pride opens the door for everything wrong in my life. That's what this is saying. I, uh, clearly for sin, we'll get into that. But, but for more than, for rejection of God, for, for everything. Pride opens the door for everything wrong in my life. Humility closes that door and opens the door for more of Jesus in my life. There is no Jesus in my life without humility because it takes an admission that I'm wrong. It takes repentance, biblical word, right? A turning from myself to Jesus. It, it takes a, a, a recognition that I'm not all that, that I don't have all that glory, that he is of a glory different and better and superior to me and that everything he has I need. Pride opens the door for everything wrong in my life. Humility closes that door and opens the door for more of Jesus in my life. Pride goes before destruction. I like what Tim Keller says about this. He, he says, look, it doesn't say that pride might lead to destruction. Rather, it says there's a parade going on. And after pride goes by, pretty soon, here comes destruction. So, I think back through my life, and I think about all the times pride has gotten me into trouble. All the times I knew better. All the times I had all the answers. In fact, I can think back to the deepest conflicts I've ever been in my life. Some of those conflicts, because I've been married for 30 years, or with my beautiful wife, Marcy, right? right? And some of the deepest conflicts we've ever had, you could easily be set or rooted in my pride. I can look back at the deepest conflicts I've ever had in church world, and I can easily see where pride is all over that story. I've, I've seen churches torn apart over internal tension, fighting, control, power plays, who's in charge, who, who gets to have the say. I've seen the ugliness of churches completely torn apart. I've seen people walk away from it saying, if that's religion, I don't want anything to do with it. And I've seen the core, easily, 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 I can see that at the core of all of that is human pride. So again, why is pride something God hates? Let me give you four reasons why humility is better than human pride. This is very much, it echoes the one thing. Pride opens the door for everything wrong in my life. Humility closes that door, opens the door for more of Jesus in my life. It's stated quite obviously, number one, right? Pride opens the door for sin. But humility opens the door for Jesus. We could even say that 
work I do. I'm humble enough for God to decide to save me. But the very reason that salvation is possible is because Jesus humbled himself to the point of his bottom that humbles us. There are these verses in the Bible that say, humble yourself before the Lord, right? He will lift you up. The reality is if I don't humble myself before the Lord, He will humble me. The truth is, life will humble me. Pride opens the door for sin. Humility opens the door for Jesus and salvation, for Jesus and my soul. Proverbs 21.4, Haughty eyes, a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. Proverbs 3.34, He mocks proud mockers, but shows fear. Favor to the humble. He shows favor to the oppressed. The interesting thing about the word favor there is it's the Hebrew word for grace. He shows grace to the humble. Number two, pride opens the door for excuses. Wasn't this true when you were a kid? You got busted for something. But he made me do it. She made me do it. It was their fault. We're not that much different as adults. When, when we let ourselves... What did my last point say? Pride opens the door for sin. So we tend in our sinfulness and our pride to open the door for sin and just walk right in. Hey, sin, come on in. Have a party. Let's hang out. Then when we're busted for such thing, yeah, but if you really understood my story, if you really knew how hard my life was, if you really knew how much they, if you really knew how bad they treated me, pride opens the door for excuses. But humility opens the door for real change in my behavior. For real change in my behavior. We could easily say that humility opens the door, the biblical word would be for repentance. Right? That there is in humility a willingness to not only have been wrong, but to admit it. And a willingness to turn, a willingness to make a change. Humility opens the door for correction in my life. Proverbs 9, 9 says, Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. This is telling us that wise people can somehow absorb more wisdom And I would suggest to you that's because in wisdom there's a willingness to say, oh, I was wrong, and then learn from it. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. 
I'm sure I've told you guys the story when I was a youth pastor, you know, like in the 1800s. All right, I thought that was funny. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor back in the 1800s, <clears throat> previous century, previous life, right? I got to preach for, for uh, my pastor every once in a while, right? And, uh, and that was always sort of exciting, right? When you get to preach to the congregation, you share the Bible with everybody. And, and one Sunday, I was teaching away, and I used the word stupid without even thinking about it. And again, I was a youth pastor. I worked with teenagers all the time. Sometimes they were, and sometimes I was. And so I used the word stupid, and I, I don't really remember. I didn't call somebody stupid, I don't think, but I used... I, I use the word, I don't remember really, I, I use the word stupid in a sermon, and I had a family in the church, really well-known family in the church, really highly thought of family in the church, don't worry, I'm still friends with them on Facebook, so, so it all worked out, but, but they, they pulled me aside afterwards and let me know how wrong it was for me to use a bad word in church, and I said, what bad word did I use, and they said, you said stupid. I felt really vindicated the day I came across this proverb. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was my pride. Proverbs 15:31, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise, but those who disregard discipline despise themselves, for the one who heeds correction gains understanding. I mean, think about how change really happens in our life, behavioral change, life change. You either learn from your mistakes and your poor choices, your wrongs and your shortcomings, or you don't. Humility creates the opportunity for a change in behavior because humility opens the mind for a change of thinking and that change of thinking allows for a change of direction in my life, which is the picture that repentance really gives for us. And that change of thinking that leads to a change of direction then leads to a change of actual behavior. Humility opens the door for all of the work Jesus wants to do in my life to change me. Number three, pride opens the door for more conflict in my life, in my relationships. Pride opens the door for more tension. Pride opens the door for more strife. Pride opens the door for more conflict. In, in all of my life, but particularly in my relationships. But humility opens the door for more grace in my relationships. Again, I, I read this one a while ago, right? That where there is, Proverbs 13, 10, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 14.3, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. Again, I think back to uh, some of the fights I've had with people over the years, how much of that was pride-based, whether it was my brother when we were kids, whether it's uh, arguments that I've had with my family over the years, whether it's tension that I might have had over the years as your pastor with some of you. It is the easiest thing in the world for pride to make the lips move before the brain really engages, right? My dad used to say to me, Brian, man, 
You need that brain to kick in. Because stuff just comes out of your mouth before you... The proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, Proverbs 21, 24. He behaves with insolent fury. Proverbs 22, 10. Drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. Isn't that what James 3 was telling us? That when we harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts, that that kind of wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving and peacemaking. It's super easy when it's not us to sit back and look at a situation involving tension and say, well, that's got pride written all over it. What's difficult is in the moment of pride, and we're in the middle of it, to recognize our own pride. And to say, oh, maybe I should sit down. Maybe I should close my lips. Maybe I should open my ears. Maybe I should choose the path of wisdom. Humility opens the door for more grace in my relational world. The wisdom that comes from heaven, James 3 said, is first of all pure and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That there's more room for grace in my life when I choose humility. I wonder who needs grace in your life right now. Who needs more grace? Maybe it's somebody super close to you. Likely so. Maybe it's somebody in your world who's, who doesn't currently follow Jesus. This is, this is worth adding, by the way, I'm, I'm certain. Do you think that the way that, that we Christians tend to interact culturally with non-Christians around us in our culture? Would you describe that as humble? Because I'm pretty sure that non-Christians see the pride we act with and think, if that's your Jesus, why would I want that? I already got all that. Pride. Maybe there's someone not already following Jesus in your life that there's a tendency to dislike or there's a tendency to feel tension with or there's a, there's a tendency to disagree over you know, any number of things with. And maybe that's someone in your life who needs grace. Because I tend to think that if the world saw more grace in the way we treated them, they might actually be more interested in our Jesus who treated people with grace. You say, but, 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 but there's Jesus with the Pharisees. 
I'd just note for you, the Pharisees were the ultra-religious, not the sinners of the world. They were sinners, by the way. Maybe there's someone in your life who needs forgiveness right now, or maybe someone whose lifestyle is not the same as yours, or maybe there's someone in your world who, who, who you know, let's say they work for you, and they're supposed to serve your objective. Maybe there's some grace they need right now. Maybe in your life, there's someone in your life who who's, just doesn't come close to deserving grace, and you don't want to give it because they don't deserve it. Isn't that the point of grace? Because I sure don't deserve it. Well, number four, I'm going to see if I can bring this home and make it all come together. Pride opens the door for disgrace and destruction. Humility opens the door for honor from God. Pride opens the door for disgrace and destruction. Notice disgrace is the opposite of grace. And destruction, right? Again, Tim Keller's analogy that, that pride goes before a fall, that destruction is coming, that, that there's a parade going on, and if pride goes by, sure enough, sooner or later, that there is some destruction coming. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 15.33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18.12, doesn't Isn't there an overture or something goes along with that? Yeah, I don't know. Before, the, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Proverbs 29.23, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit... Boy, that lowly in spirit, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Blessed are the poor... In spirit. The lowly in spirit gain honor. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This literally is telling me that when I choose pride, that I am fighting. That I am fighting with myself. That I am fighting with others. That I am fighting with God. That pride is a combative posture with everyone, with God, with my family, with my coworkers, with my friends, even with myself. That pride sets me up for a battle with God. Pride is almost like a dare. Me daring myself to prove God wrong. That pride goes before a fall. You can't prove God wrong. But people and humans have proved God right over and over and over again. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. 
Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. This word honor is interesting, at least in some of these cases, it is the Hebrew word kabod, which is the Hebrew word for glory. It's the Hebrew word that describes God in His glory. And it says that when we humble ourselves, that God brings this honor. Not not glory that we deserve. Not, Not look at us, fame, glory, we're rich, we're great, we're beautiful, we're all these things. Not that. But His honor. Think about what it takes to be honored by God. This says that humility opens the door for honor from God in my life. Here's the thing. There's no greater honor than for God to give you Himself. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. of heaven. The kingdom has a king. And he's the one who was poor in spirit. He's the one who being in very nature God, Philippians 2, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage but rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God The Father, for blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Anybody want more of that in their life today? You and me both. We always end our service with two prayers. We're going to end that way today. Our first is a prayer of salvation, and if you need Jesus today, I hope what you've heard is that At some human level, the starting point is a posture of humility. And maybe in humility you'd pray with me today like this. Dear Jesus, I don't deserve you, but I need you. I confess my wrongs, my sins to you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross 
because you humbled yourself. You died on the cross for my sins. So I humble myself. And I admit I need you. And I need your forgiveness. <laughs> and I need your presence even to be humble. In fact, I need you to be humble on my behalf. Let Jesus take over my life and give me your humble heart. And make me humble from the inside out. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. Since you're alive, take over my life. And make me yours. And make me like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's our first prayer, prayer of salvation. And if you prayed to follow Jesus for the very first time today, or maybe online right now, you prayed that prayer, man, I'd encourage you to share that with somebody. In fact, I'd love for you to share it with me, right? We love to celebrate. We want to be able to say, welcome to the family. It really matters that you know that you are loved, not just by Jesus, but by us. But we can't welcome you to the family and we can't celebrate it if we don't know about it. So you can tell me on a communication card. You can find me after service. You can tell somebody who invited you. You can even email me online. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. It's phenomenal what happens in your life when you receive Jesus as your Savior and how life-transforming that becomes. And again, I don't know about you, but I need more of this humility in my life, right? And I prayed a prayer like, like the one we just prayed when I was 15 years old. And here I am as a, <clears throat> I guess if I was a youth pastor in the 1800s, that would, that would make me quite old now. But here I am as a whatever age I am man. And I need more, not less humility in my life. And so if you need that and you're with me, would you pray this prayer of application with me? In fact, why don't you stand together? And uh, if you're willing, would you pray this out loud with me? Dear Jesus, please be my source of wisdom and change my heart from pride to humility. Thank you that you came, Jesus, that you died, that you rose again that you are humble on my behalf. Bring humility to my walk with you. Bring humility to my need for change. Bring humility to my relationships. And bring humility to all of my choices and behaviors. Every day, remind me to humble myself so that you won't have to humble me.
Show me who to offer grace to today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you're gathering with us today. You can stay standing because I'm going to dismiss us as we go today. I love to remind you right back in the back are baskets for our communication cards. Uh, we'd love it if you would share that information with us, whether today is your first time or you've been here a million times. Of course, on the wall in the back is a box for our offerings. If you're a guest with us today, please know that offerings is not what we're after. Those of us consider Harvest our home. We gladly take care of that. But if you're a guest, we'd really love to hear from you, uh, even online as well, on the communication card or the digital communication card. So as you go today, I want you to go in the humility that comes from wisdom. Knowing that before you is a choice. Disgrace? Or grace? Choose wisely, my friends. Love you all.